Welcome to this episode of the Hope, Help, Happiness podcast, where I am recording my journey through dealing with the problems initially of feeling suicidal and the desire to take my own life through to hopefully some form of happiness in the future. Now, I wanted to use this episode to give a, an explanation, I suppose, a record of the journey I've taken so far in going to the National Health Service through my GP, my doctor, uh, and asking for help. And it's been an interesting journey going through the process of, first of all, asking for help, which in itself was a huge step for me because of challenges I've had in the past, which I'll talk about uh, later. But there's been a lot of activity, but very little progress. And I think what has come to light from the experience for me is that I really can't rely on the health service to support me in my journey to recovery. And let me explain why. So the problems that I've been having, I suppose are part of my whole life experience. I have a tendency to be more melancholic, I suppose. And that means that I may have a generally pessimistic view on life, coupled with the problems I now realize have been because of self-esteem. I have been more prone to bouts of depression and that has been, and coupled with all the life experience I've had, has meant that I have been somewhat down. Over the last couple of years, um, there have been some significant challenges in my life that I've struggled to deal with and they have had a negative impact on my mental, emotional and I suppose my physical health. To the point that over the last, certainly the last year, I have been feeling that my life wasn't worth living and that I couldn't move forward and that it was a real struggle. And over the last year, I have seriously contemplated taking my life uh, to the point where I came very close to doing so, um, but realised it was a difficult thing for me to do. I wasn't brave enough to pull the trigger, metaphorically speaking. Um, and so I tried again and tried again. And then in the run-up to my birthday, I found myself getting more and more despondent to the point where I was at that point where I could see no way out. And so I'm just explaining that because I want you to get a sense of the emotional distress I found myself in at the point of me going to my doctor and asking for help. It was a huge step for me, and I'll, I'll talk about that later on, but it's a massive step for me to do that. And I did that because of the realisation I didn't have the courage to do it, but also because of the genuine love and affection I received from um, a couple of people who, who unwittingly don't realise it, just how much they have contributed to probably saving my life. And I realised I need to do something. So I approached my doctor. So we'll call that day zero. So I went into my doctor and... First of all, I had to ring up my surgery and say I needed an emergency appointment. They asked why and I 
felt embarrassed to explain that it was because I had thoughts of suicide. They rang me back within 30 minutes to say, yes, come on in. And I think the appointment was in about an hour after that. So I went to the doctors and sat in a waiting room. And I had to wait for something like um, uh, 25 minutes, 35 minutes or so before uh, the doctor saw me. And she asked me what the problem was and I basically blurted out how I was feeling. It was an emotional situation. She was very uh, compassionate and listened. And as a result of that, she said that she would then contact the um, mental health uh, crisis team and ask if they could, um, uh, I suppose, have a word with me. Now, taking myself outside of my circumstances, I realised that the doctor's role there is to see whether I presented a risk in actually doing some harm to myself or even other people. And so her job is to triage that risk and see whether there's anything, to see if there was a risk. Clearly she thought there was because she referred me to the mental health crisis team. I then, uh, she said that um, she would need to ring them, so I had to sit in the waiting room for some time. And eventually uh, she came back and said that she'd managed to get an appointment, but I still had to wait something like an hour or so in the waiting room, um, which was an interesting experience. I haven't been to the doctors, well, the last time I went to the doctors was five years before to register. So I, I pride myself in looking after my physical health and I'm generally in a good state, so I don't go to the doctors. So it's quite interesting sitting in the GP surgery watching all these people pass through. Eventually I then uh, was given a private space where I had a 45 minute call with a lady from the mental health crisis team. Now I think she was a nurse and she explained that her role was to assess whether I was a risk to myself or to others and basically asked me what the situation was. So I then spent 45 minutes repeating much of what I'd already told the doctor but in a little bit more detail and the conversation was a useful outlet for me. It allowed me to I suppose burst the bubble that had been building up inside of me as I sat oh, over the weeks and months isolating myself and allowing those thoughts to swirl around in my mind again bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so actually talking through the problems, expressing them, sort of eased that. So in itself was a form of therapy. So we had a conversation and she was, um, she had a lot of empathy, a lot of compassion, and it really did help. Um, we, we basically talked about um, where we needed to move forward. She recommended that I, um, take antidepressants. I said I didn't want to. Um, I think I've explained reasons for that, but I might explore that in another issue. But essentially at the end of the call, um, she said that she would then um, uh, set up uh, a proper assessment appointment. So I suspect that at that point she realised I wasn't a threat to myself or anyone else. And so she basically put me into the system. Um, so then straight after that, um, within the system, so a day later, I have a letter dated the following day, um, I was assigned to have um, an assessment 
uh, a screening meeting, I suppose. Um, and that was basically to identify what I needed. Now that, uh, so I had the letter probably two or three days later. And so the way I felt at the moment was, okay, there's some sort of progress made. I was, made. I was in a sort of limbo, pro, uh, a limbo um, state because um, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew something was happening. So I felt reassured, um, perhaps maybe slightly that something was happening, but didn't know what. The appointment was scheduled for two weeks later. So on day 16, I then had another 45 minute call with someone new. Uh, this was a mental health nurse, a different mental health nurse. And basically, beforehand, I'd written down all the issues and the concerns and the challenges I was facing and maybe some of the background um, on a piece of paper. So I was prepared to be able to explain what was going on. But essentially, it was a repeat of the two conversations I already had before. So we had this 45-minute conversation. Again, it was productive. It was compassionate. Um, it was positive and uh, there seemed to be some form of progress being made. The recommendation I was given was that um, she felt that she, she recommended, again, antidepressants, but I said I wouldn't and I explained why. She said that, I, that she felt that counselling was the best way forward for me. Unfortunately, counselling is not available on the NHS, so I'd have to fund that privately. So she recommended um, the local counselling service and asked me to contact them, which I did. And I'll talk about that later on because I did actually contact them. Uh, one of the things she also said that based on the forms that I had to fill out um, before um, I went, they'd sent me some forms which are... Um, an assessment of my mental state. Um, there's one about anxiety, there's one about, um, basically it's over the last two weeks, how often have I, had, have I been bothered by any of the following problems? So it's things like little interest in doing things, etc., etc., etc. So she felt with the conversation that we had that counselling would be good for me. Um, and, but she also felt there was an element of anxiety in my in what she felt. So she recommended that I have an appointment with one of her colleagues who would do an anxiety assessment. So she said she would set that up. So that was on day 16 after my first contact with the health service. Um, I still hadn't heard anything a week later, so I contacted them and, uh, and I spoke to the same girl again. I said, look, um, I've not heard anything. So, um, and then she said that she felt that uh, her colleague would get in touch with me soon. The following day, I received um, a letter which had been dated three or four days beforehand, um, but just probably hadn't been posted. So the letter was then for, scheduled for an appointment um, the following week. So then, so I, I then had uh, a, uh, another wait. So on day 30, this is... Two weeks after I'd had the assessment interview, I then had a face-to-face -face with a, another mental health nurse. We had a 45-minute conversation. What was interesting was that I had assumed that my anxiety levels would be tested because that's what I was told. But I just had another 45-minute conversation with someone new 
where I pretty much had to repeat what I'd already told the three previous people I'd spoken to. So I didn't seem to be making much progress. I just seemed to be getting better at telling my story. Um, it was a general roundabout conversation. Um, one or two interesting things came out. Um, she started looking into why I have those things, why I have the challenges, and started and recommended I look up attachment theory. Um, and that there would be some explanation about that. Um, so she said that she would take what she could from the meeting and would go and talk to her supervisor and find out what happened. So anyway, that day she wrote a letter to me um, and recommended that I talk to one of their interpersonal therapy um, or, or that I have an assessment for interpersonal therapy. So that's day 30. So still I haven't got any guidance or any support on dealing with the challenges that I've got. So day um, 35, I receive a letter saying that I've been referred to a talking therapy service. Um, and the letter basically said, look, there's an assessment and, um, and they'll follow a treatment and they'll, they'll provide a treatment plan. Um, and I need to contact them to set them up. So I rang them up and I was told that a, um, someone would call me, uh, a well-being practitioner. So now this isn't a nurse anymore. So I don't know what a well-being practitioner is, but this well-being practitioner would ring me. So, um, I called, I got a call from them on day 38 saying that uh, they were going to set up an appointment. And then on day 42, um, I received, or a letter was written on day 42 that I received that, ex, that set up the appointment. And then on day 44, after my first, uh, after first raising this with the health service, I finally had a telephone conversation with this uh, psychological well-being practitioner. It was a 30-minute call. Again, I had to go through the same explanation of what my challenges were. And it was um, an interesting conversation. He went through a, a mandatory risk assessment um, and asked about my history and questions about general questions about my health and then went into looking at what needed to happen he mentioned that I need to be more compassionate with myself uh, and that I probably needed a structure in which to move forward um, he then called me and he said he would need to talk to his supervisor later that day he called me and said that he was recommending me for interpersonal therapy but it wouldn't be available for 15 to 20 weeks so six weeks after my first interaction with the health service, I'm then told that I'm not going to get any help for another 15 to 20 weeks. Um, I then get a letter from, I then get a letter from him, um, which arrived on day 48, which then said, uh, summarized some of the scores from the questionnaires that I filled in. Um, confirmed they didn't identify any risk factors and then the interesting statement says we agreed that you would 
you would like to have face-to-face high-intensity psychological therapy with a high-intensity therapist. Now, this is a new term for me because he talked about interpersonal therapy. He sent me an email with information about interpersonal therapy. And all of a sudden now I'm I'm, uh, being recommended with high-intensity psychological therapy, which the words are different, so I'm assuming they are different things. Um, But it's not clear what that is. And I don't remember agreeing to that because it's the first time I've seen that term. But here's the kicker. Um, they, I have to go on a waiting list, and I understand that, um, because the world doesn't evolve around me. Um, but the anticipated start of my treatment is approximately 24 weeks. So that's 216 days after me wandering into the GPs in an emotional distress state, wanting to take my own life. 216 days, that's 31 weeks, that's seven months. I am struggling to cope with day-to-day life, day-to-day activities. Um, I know I have learned helplessness. I know I've got all these issues. I'm really struggling to make any progress. Uh, People external to me can't see that because I, I mask it because I don't want to reveal the challenges I'm facing. They're not, no one can really help me. I've got to deal with it myself. I realize that, but I do need help to be pushed along. That's why I approached the health service. I've been paying my taxes, my national insurance into the health service all these years. And now, when I want something from it, I'm going to have to wait 216 days from needing it. And the people who've worked and I've had contact with, very professional, very well-meaning, very supportive, but the system isn't or can't handle the challenges I face. And so I've got to do something about that, and I'm, I'm going to do something about that. But I think it's just really interesting that there are people out there who may not be quite so proactive as I am going to have to be, who may have to be faced with this delay. So it's taken seven weeks to get some sort of progress. Now... If I've, got a, if I've got a broken leg or I've got other, other treatments that need a physical treatment, um, then maybe even that's, still not, uh, um, even that's still not acceptable to wait so long. If I had the money, of course, I could just go and pay for this. But I don't want to knock the health system because it's under enough strain. Uh, what this is for me, what I'll take from this for me is that I can't rely on anyone else to fix me. I have to take responsibility for my own mental health. I have to, I have to do something about this. Um, I was hoping I'd get a little bit of support um, uh, in doing so, and the health service can give me something, but not for another seven or seven months after I really need it. So by then I may not even need it, I don't know, but I'm still going to go forward with this to see where it takes me. Now, when I had, on day 16, I was recommended counselling that's not on the NHS. So I did contact the local counselling service and they recommended I go to their website, fill out a form to explain what's going on, pay £50 for an assessment appointment. I got a confirmation email of that and then uh, that they received that and that they would contact me with an appointment. Five days later, I get a, an email saying that I have an appointment on, a, on the 11th of March. Now, 
that at that particular time was another four weeks away. And again, I had the same feelings is I need the support now. I've broken through my own inner resistance to asking for help. Um, and then I get there and break through that and I'm disappointed, I can't receive it. So I rang them up and said, look, is there any possibility you could bring that forward? And they said, yes. So they brought that forward a week and the administrator was very helpful um, in doing so. I was very grateful for doing that. And then last week I had the assessment interview where once again, this will be the one, two, three, four, five, sixth time I had to explain what I was going through to a, an assessment counsellor. Um, they called me a couple of days ago and said that uh, they've allocated a therapist, in fact it was a therapist who did the uh, assessment and I've got an appointment with them in about an hour and a half's time. Um, so I, I'm going to go through with that, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to pay for that at the moment because of the way um, I'm struggling to generate income because of all the challenges I'm facing. But that's a problem I'm going to have to face up to it. So this isn't, this isn't uh, unusual in terms of the delay. Um, I am used to having <laughs> this sort of problem, I suppose, when asking for help. Um, and uh, so I just wanted to share just wanted to share those experiences. Um, that's, yeah, just want to share those experiences. So the reason why I'm struggling a little bit there is I'm thinking about the past. Um, it's not the, the, these delays are typical. Um, it's just, they're not helpful. <laughs> they're not helpful. Um, and so I've got to do something about that. So um, I'm off to my first counselling session shortly and I'll probably tell you about that tomorrow. So until tomorrow.